everyone. Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I have with me Chase. Hola. And we are a paranormal horror podcast that likes to tell each other scary stories while we drink many, many drinks. <laughs> uh, and, some days more than others. <laughs> uh, some days we're not even recording and we still drink. <laughs> it's so weird. It's an accident, I swear. <laughs> Well, uh, we like telling each other like true scary stories. Allegedly true. Allegedly true. It really depends on... It makes on it more fun if you pretend it is true. Right. What you think. Who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But either way, uh, what are we drinking today, Chase? Boom. Even though it's Oktoberfest season, I am feeling super hoppy. So I'm drinking a Lacumbre Elevated IPA OG. Nice. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about it. I haven't had uh, an Elevated in... Longer than I care to admit, and it tastes divine. Yeah, it's really good. Lily, however, she's like, I'm too good for beer, because all I see in front of her is a shot glass. And it was filled with rum. There's also an Algene water bottle, which is not filled with rum, but <laughs> you know what I meant. But it is a clear liquid. <laughs> it's called the anti-alcohol. Yeah, it's the care. <laughs> um. So anyway, I don't know. Do we have any announcements or anything that we need to say? Before no, I don't think so. Um, we're gearing up for October. Do you want to talk about what our plans are? For oh, you know what? Let's just yeah. Let's go ahead and announce some of the things that we're thinking about because I don't, I don't see a reason why to wait. I mean, Absolutely. we're almost there. Yeah, why we're not? gearing up. Uh, this September is the one of the longest ones because we're just desperately waiting for October. It's yeah. also super long because we're packing up to move at the end of the month, but. You know, that's a different issue. Uh, Lily has got all kinds of fun things planned for October. Yeah, so I think what I'm going to be doing, definitely, obviously, I'm going to be releasing, as I always do every single year, my movie list. So it's uh, 31 days of horror movies, and I will uh, submit probably on my social media, but also on the Hair of the Werewolf one, the calendar, so you guys can either watch along or pick whichever ones you want, or you can tell me how lame they are. We've Either been way. doing this every year for <laughs> a very long time, uh, probably very. A, probably almost a decade. I think we've been doing it since so. 2012. And we are usually very good about seeing almost everyone. Sometimes things go up and you can't watch a movie, but we almost see every movie every year. Yeah, we really are good about it. Um, and, and the movie list changes every year. We like to have a mix of new movies we haven't seen, old classics. We have certain ones that we always have on certain days, like we always kick off the month the, the last day of september with the thing so that's actually yes. the 32nd movie because it's always <laughs> at the beginning uh that's just a always gonna happen yeah for sure um, and then a few other classics of course and then another thing i'm going to be doing is creating a hair of the werewolf fall drink i am not a mixologist so i'm still having issues with perfecting the ingredients and the recipe but i'm having a, a fun time figuring it out <laughs> Yeah, the summer one went over well. We think yeah. maybe this could be a cool gateway to seasonal concoctions of imbibery. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully it'll be delicious. Um, it's going to be a lot more of a of a cozy kind of drink. So hopefully that'll work out. And also, the last thing that we're planning on doing for October is that we're going to have merch available. That's the hope. Yeah. But hopefully in time for it. We're actually going to launch some something. We, we, we still haven't figured that out. Because October 31st will be our one whole year of episodes yes. where we haven't missed a week. It'll be our anniversary. And that we're going to start like just so that we can keep things organized. That will be the start of season two. 
uh, just so we can keep things organized within a year. It's not because anything changes with our seasons to us just mean the year we started. So it'll yeah, be allows season us to two, keep track year two, of things and everything. Right. But yeah, this is pretty exciting. So Yay. we'll give you more information as it happens. The movie list is very up and coming. I saw you working on it. I think it's almost done. Well, at least the list is done, and I can make something that looks pretty for it. Yeah, you usually create the calendar thing, and then I I just pick the movies. So, yay. Let's do this. All right. So, with with all that said, I think we should jump into our stories, because if you're like us and already drinking, you know, <laughs> we're getting impatient. So, let's, let's do this. All <laughs> There's right, no patience. So, I'm actually curious, because when Lily got to this story, she was, like, researching multiple other stories. Yeah. And she's like into them but then she's like no not this one then this one this one so i know she's gonna do the other ones but i want to know why this one captivated her so i'm pretty excited to hear it okay so obviously this is for me a very interesting story but the reason why it captured my attention is because i had no idea it existed so for me it's a learning as well so even though it might not be as scary as some of the other ones i was researching sure uh, which i will get to eventually of course i always do But for me, as someone who had never heard of it, that's what drove me to research more. So here we go. My story for today is called Ghost Watch, the show. It's a movie, kind of. (laughs) Your face. Okay, so I discovered the other day there's something called High School, the musical the musical, the show or something like that. It says like the musical twice or the show the twice. So you're just telling me this is a show, but it's a movie. What's happening So it's called Ghost Watch, and it came out in 1992. The BBC aired a Halloween special called Ghost Watch. It was uh, a show that followed news reporters and paranormal investigators to the home of Pam Early and her two daughters, Suzanne and Kim. When the family experienced horrible poltergeist activities and ghostly figures that would be captured during a live on-location filming. Sick. Yeah, it sounds insane. So, (laughs) without further leading you on, let me tell you that this is 100% fictional. Okay. However, this did not stop millions of people, or probably more like thousands, to be honest, hundreds of thousands of people, Uh, reporting and or experiencing their own physical, mental, or unexplained experiences. So it had That's how rumors start. That's how rumors start. Or maybe it was a really creepy place, and they said this is a good place to make the the story, and other people just picked up on it. Yeah, so let me me go into it so you can understand more. So let's start from the beginning. On October 1988, Stephen Volk, who was a writer pitched the idea to BBC that he wanted to write a six-part supernatural series that followed a reporter and paranormal investigator team into the home of a family that was supposedly tormented by a ghost. Initially, the idea, uh, like I said, was supposed to be six episodes, but the first was going to be pre-recorded, and then the sixth final episode would be aired live, and they would be experiencing paranormal activity. Okay. Okay. However, the BBC was like, no. So instead, they asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I like that idea. Not happening. Uh, I like it, but no. Uh, basically, what they said is not a whole series. You get like a special movie show on our channel. Okay. Like, basically. So he's like, okay, we'll do that. Now, under the condition, though, he agreed with that is that it would be aired as if it was a real live broadcasting. The BBC did agree to this, but in retrospect, 
it's safe to assume that even they weren't exactly sure what Volk had in mind. I have one quick question because okay. something just jumped in my mind. Was this aired in the early 90s? 1992. I know this story. <laughs> you do? So no. So okay. I, so I've heard of the story too, but yeah, not... I heard of it. I don't. I, I didn't yes. watch it, and I remember I was like a couple years ago. I told you about it, and I said we should we should see if we could find a way online to find yeah. this movie to watch it. Yeah. I know about it. I haven't seen it, so I don't know the specific details, okay. but I was intrigued. As I learned more about it, I was like, I think I know mm-hmm. the name, and I knew it was like a, I thought it was just a BBC movie or something like that, but I certainly did not know the impact it had in the UK. <laughs> so I remember someone describing it as being like when the original radio broadcast of War of the Worlds Boom! Happened. Yes, I was going to talk about that oh. next. So that's exactly what happened. Like I said, to get just the perspective, the found footage filming style itself mm-hmm. was basically unheard of at yeah, the time. Yeah, this was years before Blair uh, Witch. Seven years before the Blair Witch, ah. yes. And it would have been the first time people would have experienced it. So even though like War of the Worlds would have existed already, that felt even different on its own, too. Oh, absolutely. So even, I don't know, I'm not saying like that wouldn't have fooled me at the time or anything like that, but it was more theatrical. Like there was actual, uh, what do you call it? Uh, background songs and, and scores and sound effects and things like that when Absolutely, they broadcast. So, so it felt like well, a but movie. the initial broadcast came in like an emergency yes. broadcast. Yes. So they brought you in and then it became obvious, but it yeah. didn't stop the fact that at the beginning <laughs> people were panicking like aliens are invading what do I do? Right. What I wouldn't have done to go back in time. Like when people say, you can go back in time, what would you see? Obviously things like dinosaurs and whatnot. I want to see people freak out to the War of the Worlds. Oh my God. I want to see people freak out to this because uh. this is insane. Uh, so yes, again, people had no idea what they were getting themselves into. And they basically. all thought it was real. It was done so well. They sure did. Nice. And there was no score. There was no, there was nothing that indicated as it was airing, nor did they ever mention while it was broadcasting that it was fake. That's so cool. It was being done like it was real. They were saying things like, this is actually happening. Nothing, no indication whatsoever. So here we go. So as the production continued, Volk made the decision to make, to bring in actually famous British actors who would play as themselves. The most notable being uh, Michael Parkinson, who was a very well-known TV broadcaster, journalist, and author, and also actor Craig Charles, who is at the time would have been on the popular show Red Dwarf. He played so, Lister. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, he was very, very well-known in the UK. Greatest accent ever. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Uh, by the actors playing themselves, it would have further given the illusion that the show was real, especially with Parkinson acting as the host where he is pretending the paranormal investigation like a news broadcasting. So he was presenting it like, welcome to blah, blah, blah. Oh, absolutely. Today we have a story for you like that, like a segment. Mm. Um, while the audience watches with him, the events unfold in real time. So the camera goes back and forth. Do you know what I'm saying? You know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So as like, obviously they're filming and this stuff is already establishing and the producers are getting uh, wind of what's going on, they did get concerned, you know, the, the station did. And they were like, okay, we do need some sort of warning beforehand. Like before it starts, not from the host itself. Like a disclaimer. A disclaimer, exactly. And so what they did is that they had an announcement at the beginning And then a second thing they did as well was include writing credits at the end 
of the movie, indicating that it was fictional. So unless, but you know, you had to look for it. You kind of had to like figure out what that meant. Well, let's also be fair. If you're traumatized by something, when the credits are rolling, the last thing you're thinking you're not is like, wait, there's credits. You're sitting there going like, oh my God, the world's <laughs> a really scary place. I'm going to die. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't barely count that second one, but okay. Yeah. I didn't even know who the director of Fight Club was because when I first saw that movie, I was so young, it had an impact on me. Sure. That like the credits rolled and I was like, that was so real. <laughs> You're like, as, as an adult, I was like, oh my God. It's forever changed. <laughs> I was such an angsty teenager. Uh, we all were, Chase. We all were. Uh, but the one thing that they did do is provide a phone number, which was presented within the movie uh, shown by Parkinson, encouraging audience to call and share their own paranormal experiences. The number was 081-811-8181. That's easy. It was a real number. Uh, the idea was to make it like operators were standing by to receive real phone calls. But in reality, when you called the number, people were greeted by a pre-recording messages informing them that the show was not real. So it kind of it used a dual purpose. So here we go. What it did was make it seem like, oh, they were getting calls from people on the movie because it was already pre-recorded. Everything was already pre-recorded, obviously. But... When you call in real time as it's airing, it makes you feel like you really are engaged, like it's happening in real time. So again, they really nailed it on the head on this one. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So on October 31st, 1992, at 9.25 p.m., the show began. There were no more warnings, and the BBC had now released its most controversial TV show for 11 million people to watch. Well, those are high viewing numbers. It's their highest. It was their highest viewing ever at that time. So, I mean, obviously, it's surpassed now, but at the time, it was like one of their pass, highest. Did it like surpass the moon landing? Um, I think that said one of the most high. Maybe, I don't know maybe if it's it referring was to like entertainment as opposed to like news reports. I think I yeah. think so for sure. Um, I mean, heck. There's Super Bowls that have surpassed the moon landing. It's really kind of sad and depressing. Um, <laughs> but there's also more people with more TVs. I don't know. That is one way to look at it. We yeah. always we always adjust for inflation with money, but do we adjust for inflation of population? For viewing, like, who had what, yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, within an hour of airing, the BBC estimated that they received around 30,000 phone calls. Holy crap. Yeah, jamming the BBC switchboards. Okay, so... <laughs> I don't know how much you know about switchboards, but once it's unable to receive these phone calls, the people who are calling are also not able to receive the Mm pre-recording. So they're not getting that validation, nor do they know yet that it's fake. Absolutely. In fact, when the show was about to finish airing, producers were like celebrating, they were having champagne. And this is a quote from Volk. He said, Ruth Baumgarten arrived with a white face and said the switchboards had been jammed at the BBC. He goes on to say, I kind of laughed lightly and she said very seriously, no, they really are jammed with people very irate. That was a bit of a gulp moment for me. (laughs) So he's like freaking out too. He's like, what is happening? Like, it's mayhem. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the movie a little bit here before I get into how it affected the world or the UK, I should say. Now, I'm going to give you an outline on how the show was structured, kind of, and give you a little bit of detail of what went on without giving too much information. I still want to see this movie. I have not seen this movie. I don't know if I mentioned that We've been trying to find it. Yeah. 
Um, oh, trying to find it. Speaking of which, I did try. It looks like it's not available on any of the streaming services that we have. Mm-hmm. It is on Shutter. So if you oh, guys have it's it, actually on Shutter. Yeah, and it's available to buy only as a DVD on Amazon for like sixteen dollars. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I, I was thinking uh, when I was looking online how to get it. Most people said that if you go to a British comic book convention, there's bootlegs of it everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was like. I really want to get it that way I guess, because the idea of going to a British comic book convention <laughs> sounds like a blast. Yeah, let me rephrase that. Uh, there's no real way for us to access it legally right now unless you go on Shutter. I can assume that DVD is the British region, so we'd have to... Yeah, so I heard... I don't know what kind of Blu-ray. Our Blu-ray is super old. I don't even know if it would play it. Because I know they had different like inscriptions when they created Blu-ray over there, right? Um, Don't they have like a different kind of player? No, they have region encoding, and the okay. players are designed not to play regions outside of where they're planned. Now, on a computer, you can swap your region. You can actually tell the drive to be a different region, but you're only yeah. allowed to do it three times before it locks it. So some people do it like once because they need to see something important sure. and they switch it back. Um, but yeah, region encoding is a bit of an issue. Um, so I think that's what they were trying to say when I when I saw on Amazon. They're like, this is not. It's not going to play on your American or U.S. It's why, it's why even though we found, like, so, ooh, big news to all you guys. TV shows are super cheap, like, collected editions over in England, but oh, we yeah. couldn't buy any of them because they weren't the right region. Right, right. Exactly. So, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shudder, huh? Have to get one of them uh, so seven-day free trials? Shudder, and they do have one, so maybe we'll do that. Who knows? So, the first thing I have here is, which I mentioned before, is Michael Parkins introduces the show, letting viewers know that the news crew slash paranormal investigation team will be spending the night at a haunted house located on the outskirts of London. The first thing you learn is that the family had been experiencing poltergeist activity for months. They believe that they are being haunted by a single entity whom they called Pipes. They gave him that name because initially the family thought that the noises were coming from the old Pipes. All right, well, that makes sense. I thought that was cute. Um, So this info isn't ruining any information. This is kind of provided to you immediately. And this is also kind of known at the beginning as well as very heavily inspired by the Enfield Poltergeist from 1977. Which was covered heavily in the movie Conjuring 2, if you guys want the Cliff's Notes version of that. Yeah, well, it was based on that. It was literally based on this. So Conjuring 2 was based on the Enfield, whereas this was just inspired. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's not about it. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I said earlier that they had operators standing by to answer the phones. So, um, like I said, the ones that they actually received in the show, in the movie was fake. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. 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 It wasn't live even though they portrayed it as they if made it, were. it yeah. seem like it was. Yeah. So one of the callers says, quote, you know, the beginning when the show, the girl's bedrooms, I'm sure I can see a figure standing against the wall. End quote. This, I think, is the moment when they start really freaking out. This is when the movie gets like, what? It's rolling. Yeah, it kind of engages now finally the hosts who is presenting the news broadcasting and the paranormal activity. So they're they're linked now because they're like, they're trying to investigate what's going on as they're receiving information. And then you see the paranormal investigators experiencing these things. This is pretty brilliant. It's so brilliant. Um, let's see where, what's the next thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. So the whole movie is a roller coaster ride. I think I'm going to be done telling you details about it really at this point, because it just, it just goes up and down. It's like, you believe it, but then you're like, some other things are happening. So you don't know. Okay. Let's talk about the aftermath. The wave of media attention and public outrage was overwhelming. (laughs) 
<laughs> they were being accused of betraying the trust of millions of people and and soiling the credibility of actual news broadcasting. Mm, that's a good piece of art when you yeah. can piss people off that much. That much. People were complaining that they were mentally distressed and may have long life long life effects from traumatic experiences. Like so like even every single newspaper in the UK wrote about it. <laughs> It's intense. And here are some of the reportings I found. One woman called demanding compensation for a pair of jeans because her her husband had soiled himself while he was watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first when you said demanding compensation, I was like, oh, you're always going to find people who want oh, yeah. money. But then he's like, jeans are soiled, but, but they were totally my husband's. For some, like, <laughs> pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three women confirmed that they went into labor because they were watching the show. They were in such distress. Fear babies, huh? Fear babies. I know. Uh, maybe that's how my sister was born. <laughs> Man, that that's totally like uh, on Reddit. They have like the one sentence. Um, oh, to help uh, you write a story, like yeah. they just give you a sentence. Writing prompts, I think. Yeah, writing prompts. How amazing is this idea of a baby who's born because their labor was triggered by fear has like lifelong lasting issues because of this. I think there actually are studies about that. Well, I meant a story, but that's supposed oh, to be scary. Sure. I'm sure there's studies. I just meant I just meant like <laughs> I meant like for R.L. Stein or Stephen King to write some good hokey story. Yeah. Do you hear that? Do it now. <laughs> Do it, Mr. Stein. <laughs> you too, Coons. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we didn't forget about you. Phantoms is bomb. Yeah. <laughs> so bomb. <laughs> Oh, my God. Where was I? Oh, yes. Labor. Uh, oh, people reported that they were now experiencing their own paranormal activity in their home. So they're starting to be like, oh, I, I think either they were just so scared. Yeah, they're or, just scared. Or what I'm going to say next, a priest called the station letting them know that although he was aware the show was fictional, the images and the implications of evil was enough to invoke real evil into people's lives particularly demonic ones. So he thinks that things mm. surfaced. Things are coming. So what if there was so much distress caused by it, it weakened the constitution of so many people that it allowed them to become weak for the <gasps> stuff that always existed to Ta-da-da. get to them? They always say that this stuff only affects people who are weak, but what if it was just so scary? Or turns them into it believers. It so people so weak. Yeah, because if you're such a skeptic and then you truly think this is... A thing that's happening you know like whoa we're finally giving getting evidence you know the evidence that all skeptics have been waiting for and turn into believers this leaves them into a vulnerable state yeah we're, we're on to something amazing. here this we're on <laughs> yes i agree um okay so from that the british medical journal published an article in 1994 so this was two years after that two boys one 10 and 11 year old were diagnosed with ptsd they linked the cause to Ghostwatch. The boys had admitted had been admitted to the psychiatric unit where they were treated. The 11-year-old said he had experiences like, quote, sleep difficulties, nightmares, fears of the dark and sleeping alone, fears of ghosts, intrusive thoughts, and panic attacks, end quote. This was not the only incident that children were diagnosed with PTSD that was linked to the show. Um, but this, I mean, it, that, those are, that's just like the big one I was able to find so, in the medical article or whatever. You know, ju- just to put it out front, I feel really bad for the kid. Mm-hmm. I'm sad that he's going through stuff, 
But what I'm hearing that sounds like is he might have been a kid with a lot of problems and was just looking for a trigger. And this just happened to be it. So that's actually, okay, that's fair to say. But at the same time, maybe that trigger wouldn't have been so hostile or like, or even exist if the show had been more open about the fact that it was fake. Okay, okay. I mean, like, people didn't know. If you tuned in just literally right after the announcement, you would never have known. But I'm just saying, I think movies portray it. If you're telling scary stories around a fire, the people most affected were the people who are going to be scared anyway. Okay, that's fair. That's just the way I'm looking (laughs) at it here. I suppose. We'll see. Um, Another incident occurred in Nottingham. The Denham family sat around on Halloween and watched the show together. Percy and April Denham parents of Martin and Gavin, noticed that their son Martin was progressively getting more and more agitated as the program continued. I should mention that Martin, although 18 at the time, uh, had a learning disability that caused him to have a mental capacity of a 13-year-old. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so while he was watching the show, his parents also saw, saw him begin to curl up into a ball and become almost unresponsive. Like I know, it's sad. Uh, Like he was unable to pull away from the television, um, like he was hypnotized, is how she she put it, the mom. Immediately after the show ended, Martin became obsessed with Ghost. His parents claimed that even his personality began to change, like he was in a trance. To make matters worse, the family's home also had a faulty central heating system that caused banging or knocking sounds all about the wall. <laughs> well, that's just not I mean, that just sucks all around, uh, for sure. And unfortunately, just five days after the show aired, Martin committed suicide. What? I know. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, well, maybe he'll turn this into something really positive because some... But man, oh, poor kid. No, it went really dark there for a second. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, He was, sorry about this again. Uh, He was found hanging from a tree at a nearby park with a makeshift noose he made out of a plastic hose. He also left a suicide note that read, quote, if there are ghosts, then I will be with you always as a ghost, end quote. Whoa. Yeah. The parents were furious understandably so i can see why they would have a hostile reaction towards this yeah yeah these are just some of the stories that surfaced um that made the most popular the parents blamed the show for his death which led to an official investigation conducted by the broadcasting standards commission the bsc had a few choice words to the creators as well they conducted uh, or they concluded that this was a deliberate attempt to cultivate a sense of menace Honestly, when I read the report, it sounded like they were really yelling at them like a parent. Sure, right. (laughs) It sounded like that. Um, So in the end, the BBC did provide an official apology. You want to know what's really creepy? So in one of the fake calls that you hear on Ghostwatch is of a woman telling the host, quote, they won't go to bed. I can't direct them away from the TV. I don't know what's going on. They won't take their eyes off the set, end quote. So it was very similar to what was going on with Martin. Mm. Yeah. Super creepy. That's really creepy. Yeah. Uh, Not surprisingly, the BBC decided to ban Ghostwatch and decided to never mention it again. Yeah, I remember reading that there was was, was enough controversy. That's why you can't find it anywhere. Yep, 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 yep. They literally pretended like it never happened. (laughs) Much like most embarrassing moments in my life. Um, Which I understand why. But at the same time, they did accomplish something amazing. 
They were even nominated for a British Academy Film Award that same year. But again, the BBC was adamant to never mention it again and ordered the Radio Times to do the same. So after all that, you might be wondering, like, why did the parents uh, not stop them from watching this or even allowed them to watch it to begin with? Well, I found out the answer. One of the actresses, the main reporter, Sarah Green, was also an actress, obviously, already, and a host to two popular children's show. Oh, no. Boom. So seeing that she was on a Halloween special... They assumed it was children appropriate. It was for kids. Okay, now that... Okay. That was a bad move, I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. As it, In hindsight, it was a bad move. I don't know... like. It'd be like having a Ghost Hunters episode and then Mr. Rogers is on it. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, you're like, hold on, Mr. Rogers. What are you doing there with that pipe? Just kidding. <laughs> Don't you say a bad word about that man. Yeah. <laughs> he he's is our, an angel. He's our neighbor. Um, yeah. So that's that's basically what happened there. For about 10 years, the BBC was able to hide their shame. <laughs> this but... is back in the day when we did a social media. Boom! You could make something disappear, and if you missed the episode and you missed the tabloid the next day, yeah, you yeah. never knew. Yeah, there is no hiding from the internet. Uh, once people were able to spread the word and bring Ghostwatch back into light, people began to express how much they loved it. Only the negative responses back in 1992 were given attention and space in the media to bash the movie. So you never heard the other side of the coin. Um, but now that the, with the internet, people formed groups and fan art to commemorate the movie that started their love for horror and inspired them to create movies, art, and books and things like that as well. This response led to the BBC to re-release the movie, but this time only as a DVD. Despite the gesture, the BBC to this day still refuses to air the movie on their station. Still and there. now, because it's in the 90s, it would be so cheesy and old school, like no one would fall for it. <laughs> well, they want, they're they not going to fall for it. And at this point, it, I think a lot of people know about it, especially in the UK. Because yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if there's anything I do know, it's that when you're talking about like young teenagers mm-hmm. or even just a little bit younger than that, they're the ones who are the most rejecting of things that are out of their time. Oh, yeah. For so sure. like, I remember when we were kids, if someone was in the 80s, like, oh, it's so 80s. And like, I don't know. I love the 80s. Like, I loved movies i i mean i think john hughes made it easy for all of us and to be accepting and horror movies obviously i know that's fair but as kids most of us like terminator 2 more than terminator 1 because terminator 1 was very 80s and terminator 2 was like hip and with it and it had more special effects maybe (laughs) i don't know yeah so uh i looked it up also for to see how good this movie is so on imdb they scored it 7.6 out of 10 for horror that's amazing yeah 76% on Rotten Tomatoes yeah very high for a horror movie and yeah that's basically my story I can't wait to watch this damn movie so we have to watch it and then give them an update on how it holds up yeah. by today's standards yeah. I'll let you know I do want to give real quick credit to a YouTube channel called Inside a Mind I got a really really good substantial information from them that let me research into other things a little bit of shout out there because uh, really really good channel by well, the way well I gotta say it sounds like the people who made this show were just absolute geniuses ahead of their time for and sure. maybe what they did was just so controversial they're never gonna get the credit due for what they may have shifted or done with the entire medium because a lot of people are gonna realize oh there's a whole new thing that you can do Yeah, there's so many times during media where people realize oh you can do this sometimes in music with influential artists or movies or TV it's this one was so controversial we're never going to realize how impactful it may have been 
that said, it's always important to acknowledge the sad things that come with it, like mm-hmm. that poor kid who, exactly. you know, I hope his family has been able to deal with that. It's it's just a really sad story to hear. Um, but outside of those sad stories, which, to be honest, are sad stories with everything, this is amazing. I, 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 know. I can't wait to see this. I know. And you know what? I was watching, so obviously I didn't see the whole thing, but I was able to capture clips from people reviewing it or talking about it on YouTube or just whatever. And... I think it would still hold up. Does it look like the 90s? Yes, but like home movie 90s. So you're already okay with that because it looks real. You're not lost in the... No, no, no. There's no like special effects that went wrong or something weird. No, no, no. I think it looks good. It looks like found footage horror. Perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. Can't wait to see this. This is good. Okay, so I'm excited because I I had looked this up and I remember telling about this years ago and then I promptly forgot about it <laughs> because I couldn't find it anywhere. And I remember thinking, yep. I remember thinking when I first saw it a couple years ago, I said, if we're ever in England, we need to go to comic Ooh, convention. And I we, know, I we didn't even know. We were in England, but there was no comic conventions while we were there. No. Um, we might have been able to find it, but I, we, we can get a Shutter account for at least a short Just while. Just for a second. Maybe I for agree. October. I'm definitely putting this on the list as a side thing. Like, obviously, I know not everyone's going to want to subscribe to Shudder just to see this movie, but I'll put put it as an alternative. You know, like, you can watch this movie that is available in the U.S. or Ghost Watch, which I recommend. So here's an honest question for you. Imagine you are uh, back in 1992 and you want to call with a story because you're scared. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have rather have gotten the message and found out it was fake and maybe that would have been disappointing where you're like, oh, everything was fake? Or would you have been more, would you have found it scarier if you got the busy signal? Or, well, let's be fair, these are British people. They say it's engaged, not busy. Engaged, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but whatever it is, like, you 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 can't get through. Would you find that scarier because so many people are calling in? Um, I don't know. The, oh, gosh. My inner desire to always be scared is definitely wanting to get the engaged signal. So you'd be like, oh, there's so many people I'd be like, what? Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, they can't even like get it together. This is so awful. Like, what's going on out there? Yeah, because I think like even knowing myself when I was young or whatever, I would have been really terrified that night. But the next day, it would have been pretty clear to everyone that it was fake. So I think I could have handled a night of terror for that kind of like nostalgia that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Well, another question I think I'd have is for people who saw it, especially when they're an impressionable age, because since it was presented as legitimate like news, Mm -hmm. I want to know if people, their memory, even if they know now it's fake, is as strong as like when we grew up, there were several major news things. I remember the earthquake in Mm -hmm. L.A. I remember seeing the oil fields on fire in Mm -hmm. Kuwait. Uh, Was it Kuwait or Iraq? Uh, And I Mm -hmm. remember... um, you know, O.J. Simpson running in his Bronco, all these things, would people put it? <laughs> these like, are things that you remember as a kid watching the news. Like, yeah, because they were like, they're do just the people so... around those same impression ages, do right. they see this in the same light as they see, like, news stories right. of, you know, the Unabomber Although, or something. Although, unfortunate for me, I was there for the Yeah, you were <laughs> actually in L.A. when that happened. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, You this got sucks. the live show. Oh, what's up? <laughs> nope, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right, well, that was awesome. Yeah. I think I need a shot after after hearing that, but we're going to go get a drink. We'll be back in just a second, and trust me, you're going to be excited. I've got a doozy of a story today. Yes. Okay. So we'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back, and uh, welcome to our stomach, who is filled with beer and rum. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, 
I, uh, yeah, no, we're good. We're refreshed. What do you have for us, Chase? It's been a while, but now it's time for an end of episode encounter, 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 encounter. And I walk, I walk out, and I walk across the road. There it is up there. Oh, God, right. damn it. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. It's there. But you can see it, but it's not going to hurt you. Go on. Why doesn't it go away? Look at it. What the hell was that? <laughs> so that was an audio clip from a hypnosis tape. Oh, no. And I think I just am going to go right into it. Oh, gosh. Today is a special day for me. Today, I actually get to talk about something that very specifically bothers you, Lily. Oh, gosh. Help. I talk about aliens a lot, but today we are actually going to talk about an alien abduction. (laughs) Not just any alien abduction, either. We are going to cover the first alien abduction that gained widespread attention in the United States. The OG abduction, if you will. (laughs) It has come to be commonly referred to as the Hill abduction. This infamous event took place on the evening of September 19th. We're so close. What day is today? Uh, The 17th in two days. Ah, oh, it's 61. So 70 years ago, minus two days. Whoa. Yeah. So the evening of September 19th, 1961, Barney and Betty Hill, a married couple, were driving through the White Mountain region of New Hampshire on their way back home to Portsmouth. They were on their way home from celebrating their honeymoon that they spent in Montreal, Canada, although they had already been married for a little over a year. We did the same thing. We had a late honeymoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barney at the time was a 39-year-old United States Postal Service worker and a World War II veteran. Betty, who was 42 at the time, just slightly older than him, She was a social worker who worked primarily with child welfare cases, and she was also a college graduate. We're talking 1961. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. This is a good thing. Yeah, that's kick-ass. We're trying to demonstrate that both these people are worldly. They have experience, you Mm -hmm. know, things like that. They were an active couple, both in their church. They were in the Unitarian Church and the NAACP, as well as various other volunteer organizations. This honeymoon was an unplanned and spontaneous decision for the couple. It was a three-day trip that spanned Montreal all the way to Niagara Falls, which I'm jealous of. I really want to go to Niagara Falls. (laughs) It'd be pretty cool. On their drive home, they stopped at a diner in Vermont for some food. According to the Hills, they left the diner around 10 p.m. at night to drive the remainder of the journey home, expecting to return home by about 2 a.m. Now, I just want to say... This is one of those moments where I was admittedly surprised. When you read about t- things that happen, you know, before you're born, different time frames, sometimes things catch you by surprise. I wasn't alive in the 60s, so I'm not exactly sure what would have been what it would have been like to drive at midnight on the highways. I guess in my mind, I just kind of assumed it wasn't that common at the time. Uh... The, re- the reason is I figured that roads might not have as many lights or that gas stations wouldn't be open. It just would be a much more dangerous and risky thing, right? I don't know. Um, you know what? I don't think I've ever thought about it. 
I just assumed it was fine. Well, and I'm not saying that people weren't doing it, but especially back then, you didn't think there was like the super late night life, like the so, city that never sleeps in New York might be a slightly different thing, but... For me, I believe more 40s, 50s, but by the 60s, I don't know. I, so? I, I really think it probably would have been very doable, like open gas stations, things like that. I think that's what you're referring to, right? Like the resources you might have yeah. along the way or whatever. This, this would be a good question for me to yeah. ask my parents because they would have been, by this time, at least early teenagers or pre-tweens and they would they would have had a much better idea and i and i should find out i just thought it was weird when i hear about people driving expecting to get home at 2 a.m in 1961 i'm like isn't it like pitch black and there's no gas stations if your car breaks down you're screwed but i think if you've mapped out your route unlike what we do today we're kind of like on the mercy of our internet (laughs) and you know our data and accessibility as it comes versus someone who might have planned this out uh, really well ahead of time with what bottles of water, food, etc. I remember in 2006, yeah. I believe, I went on a road trip out to San Diego with my buddy John, and I had atlases with me, oh, yeah. and I had memorized <laughs> the route so I knew where every turn was, and that's an 800-mile journey, and I, yeah. I knew exactly where I had to go. And I think that's the mindset. So I don't know if they really required the same kind of things that we do these days because we're not mapping it out. I that's don't know. true. Yeah. Well, anyway, I guess we'll get back to the story. I just okay. thought that was a weird addendum. <laughs> yeah. While the hills were on their way home, they spotted a bright light in the sky. It appeared as if the light was following them and increasing in brightness the longer that they drove. As they drove through the winding roads, the light seemed to mirror their path and rarely disappeared out of sight behind the trees. No. Barney who was an aviation enthusiast, wasn't immediately concerned. He figured that it might have been a trick of the perspective, making it seem like it was following them. It was just maybe far away. Mm -hmm. He assured Betty that it was likely a satellite that had gone off course. They decided to investigate further and pulled off at a picnic site to get a better look. They also, I didn't write this down, but they also were giving their little dog a walk because they had a little dog. Aw, what kind of dog? dog I don't remember, but you can see a picture. He looks adorable online. (laughs) Thankfully, they had a pair of binoculars with them, too. Kind of makes sense, because they went to Niagara Falls. Maybe they wanted to do some sightseeing. Oh, yeah. My parents always had binoculars when we were on road trips. I think it's, like, I think a thing. every parent had binoculars. It's smart, and every time yeah. I'm on a trip, I keep asking myself, why didn't I bring my binoculars? I so. always used uh, my parents thinking I was Harriet the Spy, <laughs> and I was not, so... <laughs> So, they decided to bust out the binoculars at the little campsite. When Betty caught sight of the object through magnification, she was taken aback. The light was not a satellite, as Barney had, you know, suggested. Mm -hmm. What she saw, she described as a flat object that was spinning in the air. Betty had actually heard a story from her sister earlier in which she had claimed to see a flying saucer. Betty began to suspect that is exactly what she was seeing now. Weird. Barney, however, he was skeptical. He had been described as a very intelligent, practical man, and to him the idea of a flying saucer was preposterous. At first he suggested it was a commercial airliner. That was until the object began to move. It began to descend rapidly and approach the couple. And him being a vet, I think he understands how these machines work. Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, see, yeah, he actually talked more about this. He said it couldn't be a plane. He said it could have moved like it moved kind of like a helicopter the way it descended. But it was it was silent out. You would hear a helicopter Mm -hmm. even at a distance with how close it seemed to be. They returned to their car and continued to drive. Yet the object continued to get closer to them. Now. At this point, Barney was getting concerned. 
He grabbed a handgun he stored in the car and put it in his pocket. That's how you know. Oh, that's how you know it's serious. Yeah. So in one of the recordings earlier, it talks about how he was screaming, saying, I need to get my gun. And when it hit hypnosis, I need to get my gun. He had to pull it out of the (gasps) trunk and put it in his pocket. Oh, my gosh. So he grabbed his handgun that he stored in the car and put it in his pocket. Once the object got to around 100 feet from them, Barney stopped the car but left the engine running. He got out and walked into the adjacent field, leaving Betty in the car. At this point, he could clearly see the object. It was around 40 feet long, 12 meters for uh, metric, but it was not a plane. It was rotating. It was a flat round object with windows and two red lights along the sides. The word pancake is used regularly in their descriptions. Barney says he saw gray figures in black glossy uniforms looking at him through windows along the side of the object. Ew. He said they were anywhere between 8 to ten, uh, eight to 11 of them, and they were not human. He then claims he heard a voice telling him to keep looking. At this point, the craft allegedly began to transform or adjust, and two wing-like objects emerged from the sides, and a long object began to descend from the bottom. At this point... Barney began to panic and ran back to the car, screaming, quote, they're going to capture us, end quote, to Betty. Oh, God. Now, and is she seeing this as well? She's seeing this. Okay. So I am also going to preface here. I read this story told through four different sources, mm-hmm. and the vast majority of it is identical, but there's slight changes. One of the stories said that he felt the urge to raise his gun, but he couldn't. Another one never even mentioned that. Mm. So I'm piecing together stories and trying really hard to make sure all of this is as accurate as possible. Okay. So some stories might disagree with some of these things, but for the most part, this. But is you're what giving we have. an overall. I'm doing accepting... my. I'm doing my best. Sure. To no, make I it know. A, I understand. Story. Yeah. He got in the car and they sped away, and the object rapidly pursued them. Mm-mm. Betty put her head out of the car window to try to spot the ship. It's at this point that they began to hear weird beeps and other noises that felt like they were reflecting off of the car or possibly even coming from the car. The car began to shake, and Barty and Betty lost consciousness. Oh, my God, no. (laughs) When they regained consciousness, two hours had passed. Furthermore... And they were in the car? Yep. Oh, God. They had traveled 35 miles (gasps) from their previous location. Holy shit. Just lost some time here. Uh, I'm actually sweating. (laughs) I'm so nervous. Okay, go. When they finally reached their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, around dawn, they took stock of their situation. They realized that both of their watches had stopped working and would never again work. Whoa. Betty's dress had been torn at the hem, zipper, lining, (gasps) and near where her sternum would be. You can even see a picture. It's a big hole. Oh, fuck no. Okay. Barney's shoes, which were dress shoes, by the way, had noticeable scuffs on them. I assume, you know, this is back in the 60s. Having a nice pair of shoes that you kept buff, yeah. that's a big deal. It like, is. it's not like today you might see a scuff on your shoe you didn't notice. You're like, oh, I must have hit something. But if this anything is... today, we're like, yeah, the dirtier my Converse looks, the better. Exactly. But this anyway. is back when people took pride in their shoes. And let's be honest, I don't think shoes have ever been as good as they were <laughs> in, like, the mid to early 20th century. Sure. Their binocular strap was also broken, and both of them described feeling off and not themselves. Barney also felt compelled to examine his lower half, particularly his genitals. Oh, God. However, he found nothing in examination. They also noticed concentric circles in the trunk of their car. (gasps) 
They claimed that compasses would behave erratically when it was moved near those circles. And when they pulled it away, the compasses would behave again. Did they... they, uh, Sorry, you might say this. I'm a little... Absolutely. No, uh, Two shots in. Please ask. But uh, did they ever use a Geiger counter or anything like that? I didn't find anything about that. But radiation I'm going to talk about in a second. Oh, okay. Okay. No, great question. And I have no evidence that anyone else saw this as well. Okay. The circles or what happened with compasses. Okay. Got it. They both tried to piece together what had happened, you know, during that moment of lost time, including Mm -hmm. drawing pictures of what they could remember. They both were pretty much missing the exact same things. They had spots of moments. Oh, okay. The Hills actually contacted the Air Force to report the incident because there was an Air Force base not far from where this happened. okay. They were concerned about radiation and wanted to take necessary precautions. Now, the military did do some form of investigation. I was having trouble finding out how the lengths of it, but it didn't seem uh-huh. super in-depth. And this information was at least forwarded, if not fully investigated, by Project Blue Book, something we mentioned in previous mm-hmm. episodes, but we're not going to go into that because uh, it's not important to the story. During this investigation, the primary suggestion to them uh, from the military was that they had mistaken Jupiter in the night sky. Oh. I swear. I swear. I, I want to swear. I think we should keep. And I swear <laughs> by the moon. Sorry. And you better. <laughs> I think we need a counter for every time someone says it's like a star or or a planet, and then once we get to like ten, I have to take like an extra big shot or something. Um. Uh, why? But anyway, one thing that is important that I didn't see in a lot of them until, uh, in a lot of the reports, but I saw in a video, and I saw it because. She was being interviewed, and I saw her say, and this was back in the day, uh-huh. that the military base did confirm that they tracked an unidentified <gasps> object on radar at 2.14 a.m. in the exact area they claimed so to have So they seen knew. Stuff. There was like, something. Like, they knew it was there, but they didn't know There was literally was something. On. Yeah, yeah. So many of the stories that missed that until I saw her say it from her own lips. I'm like, yep. ooh. And it was like old school 60s interview. I'm like, all right, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> It's real. Yeah. Over the coming months, both of the Hills experienced anxiety, sleeplessness, troubled dreams, and other signs that they had undergone a traumatic ordeal. Betty would soon begin to have very vivid dreams related to the incident Mm. that she would eventually document by writing them down. Oh, smart. Now, I'm going to talk about what she wrote down later because it, 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 I'm not going to talk about it now. I'll talk about it in a second. But the Hills would also talk with friends and church groups about the incident, but made no effort, none, to seek publicity or fame for this encounter. Mm -hmm. It would be years before the mass media got wind of this event. But their reporting to the military and everything was documented as happening years before. So it's not like they said, oh, this happened years ago. So they have proof of it occurring, obviously. There's evidence that it existed because there were even local stories wrote about it back in 61. It would not make mass media for years. Sure. Okay. This is important because that makes it unlike most UFO encounters. I agree. And obviously uh, going to the military first is definitely not a move of someone who wants to be just famous or like make up something you know, because they, because otherwise the military might be like, uh, no, you're dumb. There was nothing in the sky or whatever. But there is. Absolutely. And, and part of me also And they want to keep it under wraps. So. And what, what endears me to Barney is I have this notion that he, because he was a vet too, he said, maybe this was a military thing. And if I contact them, maybe they'll calm me down. Just be like, oh, it was just a military thing. Relax. So I bet he That's was just smart. like, there's a good way. I don't know. 
I I think I might have done the same thing too. If you and me see something crazy, I'm not going to be like, oh, I need to go to the news. I'm going to be like, I'd like to contact authorities and make sure everything's okay. Yeah. That's me. That's think, a me kind uh, of person. If anything like that was happening, I'm going to put on my chastity belt and be like, get through <laughs> this, bitches. <laughs> no samples. And we're going to take a quick break because I need a shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then we're going to continue the story. So, okay, so. Poor, poor, Opening poor, up poor, the bottle. Poor, poor. Picking up the shot glasses. Shot time. Cheers. Cheers. I can tell you right now, editing is going to be a little weird later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, as I said, the Hills would talk to friends and church groups about the incident and made no effort to seek publicity. It mm-hmm. would eventually break out. Uh, there were some news stories at the time, but it didn't get widespread attention. And they weren't trying to get it. In 1964, three years after the incident, the Hills decided to undergo hypnotherapy because of multiple suggestions Mm. to try to find out what happened to them during their period of not remembering. Yeah, yeah. So wait, what year did they do that? 64. 64. So this event happened in 61. So 64 is when they decided to undergo hypnotherapy because they had been bothered so much by sleep issues and all this stuff. They decided to deal with it. This was mostly a personal struggle for them. This wasn't because people were like, what happened? What happened? They were having issues, particularly Betty was having troubles with sleeping and she was upset about this. So Would this also have been around the time they started getting famous for it? No. Not yet. This was just before So they're it. just trying to get a cure. What or happens like a... with hypnosis is one of the reasons it became famous. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, go. Oh, my God. So Barney was the most skeptical of hypnosis, but figured it might be a good way of helping Betty understand her dreams better. They were referred to a hypnotherapist by the name of Benjamin Simon in Boston. at the time, And, and so they were in uh, Portsmouth, which is mm-hmm. just north of Boston. I mean... Oh, yeah. That's a quick drive. That That's closer than like Santa Fe's to us. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of them things. At the time, Simon considered the alien abduction to be a fabrication and unrealistic. And he's like, this bubkiss. Mm. But he was interested in seeing what was going on with their uh, sleep memory lapse. Or, yeah. He intentionally hypnotized them separately as to limit their abilities to influence each other's recollection of events. It took several months of sessions to gather all the information, but. They were able to piece together what seems like the main story. You got a lot of it. I played a clip earlier from yes. one of those hyp- hypnosis sessions. Oh, my God. That was heartbreaking. That That's... was when he left the car and he went to the UFO and he uh, saw it in the sky. God, his reaction, I don't know. Unless... Didn't feel fake, did it? It didn't... Yeah, I don't know. It did not feel fake he was or rehearsed. It felt like... Uh, yeah, it felt real. It was I, very real. And I'm scared. That's the part that messed me up, is yeah. when you hear it, you're like, oh, this is no longer just someone telling me a story. Mm-hmm. They're feeling a story. Mm-hmm. They're going through it again. Barney was the first one who was hypnotized. And during his interviews, which you can, his hypnosis interviews, which you can listen to on YouTube, by the way, at least the long one, he regularly becomes tearful and upset, at times even oh. yelling or screaming. One moment in particular, when he talks about getting his gun, he appears overcome with fear and emotion, so much so that the doctor has to stop the session to calm Barney down before they continue. Betty was also emotional during her hypnosis, but only required a single moment in which the doctor had to calm her down because she had tears running down Uh her cheeks. Although there are some differences in their stories, the vast majority of the information matches quite well. Here is a synopsis of what allegedly happened to them when they blacked out. Okay. The reason I didn't talk about what she described in her dreams is because they're all very close. Her dream, oh, okay. her dream descriptions and what happened to her hypnosis, they're all pretty similar. That may be a good thing, it may be damning, but whatever it mm. is, here's what it, here's a, a essentially the information put together. Sure. Okay. 
As they were running in their car and the ship was pursuing them, the ship allegedly attached itself to the car, maybe even landing on top of it as they tried to escape. And then they were brought from the car by the beings and led into the spaceship. Once within the spaceship, they were separated and forced to undergo various examinations. Mm. They were placed on rectangular metal tables as several processes were undertaken. They claimed that nail clippings were taken from their fingers, <gasps> skin scrapings were taken and brushed onto a cellophane-like material. Betty claims that needles were injected into her navel and it was extremely oh, painful. My God. Barney claims that a cup was placed around his genitals and he believes that a sperm sample may have been taken. Oh, my God. An object okay. was also allegedly placed into his anus briefly, <gasps> possibly for a sample as well. Oh, okay. Barney's Sorry. recollections, though, were less detailed than Betty's, as he claims to have had his eyes closed most of the time. Betty, you said? No, Barney. Barney. Oh, okay. Betty claims to have seen a lot more and that she was able to speak to one of the beings who she believed was a leader type figure huh. who was able to communicate with them. It was as though he spoke in some form of language, but she was able to understand it as some semblance of English, although it was fractured. Mm. Barney's story was similar, although he described it as a, quote, thought transference, end quote. During interviews when people said telepathy, he was unfamiliar with that term. That's so creepy. Because he d he wouldn't have... This isn't a well-known concept mm -hmm. of the whole experience. Yeah. Like, or, or rather for him. Like, he wouldn't have been like... Oh, yeah, telepathy. I mean, I know that it's really, would have already been in, no, in no, fiction. But, no, but, and, and, there, and I'm actually okay. going to talk about that even later, but I think we should talk about it right now, is that, yes, if you look at comic books and yes. pulp magazines and everything. I mean, superheroes, Yeah, for 50-plus years, the, the good writers have been doing amazing stuff with this. Yeah. But it wasn't. This wasn't general public stuff. You know, a lot of movies, especially because of censorship and and rules, a lot of movies and TV shows were limited in what they were able to show. So some of this, a lot of people, there was no exposure to this. A lot of this was new ideas. And he was kind of a of an older generation, even this in the sixties. Yeah, World War Two vet in the sixties. Right. Yeah. So he, um, who knows what his exposure was, and um, even if it was incredibly well versed in all these kind of like supernatural or or ufo things. he might have been he may have read he a lot of cool been. comics Who when knows? he was a kid but. exactly but at the same time this is very eerie to me because this is such a common Nowadays, um, it's so well known. Right. But he was being interviewed by someone who like knows what telepathy is, and he's never even heard that. But he was like, they were talking to me kind of with I, my I mind meant in this context. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So like he's like already the OG of an abduction with the whole. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Go. <laughs> so during during their communications, Betty was informed from this leader type figure that they would not be able to remember this encounter. She was also shown a holographic star map in which the creatures alleged showed their home. They were led. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, yeah. Whoa, it was like they stalkery. gave her a lot of information. And yeah. one of the stories, I don't know how believe none of the other stories talked about this, was that one of the figures tried to offer her like symbols and books to take with her, but then everyone else was opposed and said no, and we're gonna wipe her mind or Blah, blah, so, blah. Okay. They, they, there yeah. was confusion there. I don't know how much to buy there. But Maybe this star was... map becomes important later. Okay, I was going to say, like, did, did she take anything with her? Was she able to... Re she remembers the star map. <gasps> and we're going to... Yeah, and that's important. We're going to get to that. Okay, I'm so ready. 
They were led off the ship and returned to their car, and then they resumed their drive, and this is when the effects of the memory wipe began to take hold. Which is why they would have woken up, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. After the hypnosis, Simon concluded that he believes both of their recollections were possibly fabrications as a result of the vivid dreams Betty had following the incident, whatever the incident was. Both Betty and Barney deny these allegations, however. But despite this, it should be noted that the hypnosis sessions did help Barney and Betty overcome their troubles. They seemed far happier and were no longer burdened with troubled sleep or other issues afterwards. So this was a net benefit. It kind of feels like maybe uh, these thoughts or whatever process they were using to suppress these memories was too much for them. And that like their brain was constantly trying to flare up or like come up with these memories back like it, it was such a disturbance to their activity Absolutely. their brain activity was too fired up to figure out what was going on that's just a theory that's what i'm gonna think because i'm always scared of i think it's things. a good one yeah <laughs> so these pictures oh. that's barney and betty that's what they drew of what it looked like and that's an artist representation later oh my gosh yeah that's super scary okay simon suggested to betty that perhaps she could draw the star map that she had been shown She did her best and drew a diagram featuring 12 stars and lines connecting them, which she referred to as trade routes. It was a surprisingly detailed drawing, and a few years later, an amateur astronomer named Marjorie Fish analyzed the star map she drew and concluded that the area was likely the Zeta Reticuli star system. She then sent this study on to other astronomers who in turn agreed that the image likely represented that very system. More <gasps> on that later. Oh my God. Up to this point, although, <laughs> right? I'm so scared. Up to this point, although some local news sources had covered the incident, it was still very unknown. But in 1965, four years after the incident, a Boston newspaper ran a story about the Hill's abduction. It mm. contained information from their hypnosis sessions as well as their interviews and How stories. How the hell did he get all that? Uh, and stories from people who spoke directly. I don't know. You know, we watch Veronica Mars where we're used to reporters being kind of sneaky little jerks. All right. Yeah. Well, money. This would be when the story finally made it to national attention, Mm. years and years after the event. Even though UFO stories and even abduction stories had existed before this, this was the first to make an impact in the mass media. For many Americans, it was the first time they'd ever heard of an alien abduction, period. Terrifying. In fact, for many, it was also the first time that aliens had been personified as possibly not friendly or super intelligent, peaceful creatures. Fictional media like comics and pulp magazines, like we talked about earlier, have long had alien villains. But when it came to stories that at least claimed to be legitimate, this was a first for many. This incident was adapted into a book called The Interrupted Journey in 1966 and into a TV movie called The UFO Incident in 1975. Let's be honest, in the 60s, to turn into a book and a movie within just a couple years, that's a big deal. This is huge stuff. For many, this was as well-known as the Roswell incident. So, Wowza. one thing I want to talk about is I felt that while I do a lot of UFO stories, sometimes I get a little too into my skepticism and critiques, and I feel maybe that detracts from the story. So I'm going super mild this time because I think it detracts from the story, and I want to enjoy the stories for what they are. But I do uh-huh. think it's important that we talk about some of the media reactions to this just for a minute. Yeah. So let's talk to some of the criticisms. Because it was so widely publicized, it means that skeptics, ufologists, and everyone alike were able to see it and break it down and do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. 
So some of the most notable criticisms are that it was suggested that both of them may have been dealing with an extreme form of stress brought on from the struggles of having an interracial marriage in the early 60s. I noticed in the picture, I didn't know if you were going to address that, just because I thought, for the time, very interesting. And it's a big deal, but at the same time, that also sounds like an explanation that would have been made in the 60s because they were an interracial couple. Exactly. And I was wondering where the discredit was going to come from. Because they were both intelligent, yeah. educated people, and they were in very supportive societies. They talked about how the church groups loved them. Sure. And they were in the NAACP. They were very enlightened. They were These were forward-thinking people, and they claimed they were not under undue stress and they had a happy marriage. I totally believe it. <laughs> so this is a 1960s criticism. Oh, gosh. Another common explanation is that during Barney's hypnosis, he described a scenario and the gray aliens that had multiple similarities to an episode of The Outer Limits called The Bolero Shield that would have aired just a few days before his hypnosis session in 1964. Um, So assuming he saw it, but it's not a word for word. There's some similarities, but you could also say just, you know, it's the way it is. A good writer may know how something was going to come out anyway. Okay. But like you said... We had already heard of other abductions at that point. Absolutely. So if you're a true believer, um, you might think, oh, well, they just recreated things that already existed and that they would have all they would have experienced themselves. And we should also say that she was writing descriptions from her dreams years before this. So and they were similar. <gasps> oh, my God, that's right. I forgot about her journal. Yeah. But we should talk about the fact that hypnosis in general is controversial. And yeah. it is the source of, uh, and and the hypnosis itself is the source for most of the controversy relating to this story. There are a lot of things to consider when we talk about hypnosis. In fact, criticism of hypnosis alone could cover multiple episodes of content, and I don't think it's worth our time to dissect its problems here. I personally don't put much stake in hypnosis. I I just I'm not into it. It's not something I, I really put. I've a never lot of tried into. tried it. I don't know. But that said, showing those clips, when I heard Barney's hypnosis. I was disturbed. I the the recording that you showed me, mm-hmm. uh, not a fan. <laughs> he is either an amazing liar, an amazing actor, or he was honestly reliving incredibly traumatic things. Yeah. At multiple moments, he would start crying, screaming uncontrollably with fear. It was just, is it this... wasn't fun to listen to. It was disturbing. So I I saw I heard the recording and I understood most of it. I know it was a little like grainy or whatever i was playing through a phone yeah so when you showed it to me i can't our our listeners are gonna be able to hear a better version i know which i'll listen to later so this is why i'm going to ask this question now is did he say anything or could it been interpreted in any other way that maybe he was having ptsd from world war ii oh that's a good question uh as someone who's not a psychiatrist i couldn't tell you that oh um no i meant like any details that might have been similar okay i couldn't it was Wait. a 40-minute hypnosis session, oh. and I'm not going to listen to it again. I don't blame you. <laughs> he, I don't blame you. <laughs> he, had, he had some hard times. Okay. Outside of hypnosis, though, another common criticism is the star map. So we're getting back to that, that Betty Drew suggesting <gasps> oh that aliens God. were from the Zeta Reticuli star system. Yes. In all the years since, we have gathered no evidence of any planets have exist around Zeta 1 or Zeta 2. Okay. I can say, as someone who has been doing a lot of research into UFO stuff, that whenever a specific planet, star, or system is mentioned, it's usually a big red flag of fakeness. Granted, Barney Betty Hill never claimed that's what it was. It was an astronomer I was who say, did that. I don't no, think yeah, yeah, she so, so, mapped it out. Yeah. She never said 
This is a planet. But people are saying that she probably studied something and drew it or something dumb like that to make it fake. And, and possibly that's what happened. But, you know, we, we're very good at knowing how to monitor stars and we look for fluctuations in the light that we can now determine our planet's rotating in front of them and everything at this moment there is no evidence that there are any planets in that star system yeah. but that doesn't mean anything although i also we're believe, talking about interstellar travel we don't understand how this stuff works yeah i i don't know i mean i also believe that like her mentioning of the the map and her recalling this later there's no saying that she didn't also try to go on her own and try to figure out if this actually existed as an amateur yeah i don't know i don't know that part maybe not but at the same time i do put some importance to it oh no no it's so eerie yeah i think the most important thing to talk about when it comes to this abduction is how little they were interested in publicity Mm -hmm. it was years before the story really became well known and even after that it was that they made no real efforts to make any gains from it they were also both very intelligent well-respected people they had no history before after wild claims or accusations i can't say they did or didn't see ufo it seems a lot of their story might have been cliche, but that could also be because so many stories since then have borrowed from it. It's kind of like the Animal House of this, where mm-hmm. everything since it's like Citizen it Kane. It's so House, cliche. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, this would have been a first. Yeah. So my base issue is with the hypnosis, but I'm more inclined to give credit to the story that takes place before and after them losing time. The hypnosis stuff doesn't do anything for me. And I think the story is just as good if you ignore whatever Mm. happened to them. Because if we admit, yes, maybe hypnosis is bonk or whatever we want to say, there's still an amazing story before. And what happened, like when they found the tour and everything, something happened. And what they reported to the military and what they said. All these things still are real, or at least, you know, I'm inclined to say something happened to them. I don't know what it is. Mm hmm. Maybe it was just people mugged them and they <laughs> have a mutual traumatic experience or maybe something truly bizarre happened to them. Yeah. I don't know. But I found this story incredibly creepy. And while I was reading it, I could not wait to get to the end because I just want to know. And I'm so excited to be able to tell you an abduction story because I know that's one of your beans. You know all my beans. That's one of your beans. You say beans? Yeah. Like beans? Yeah, like jumping beans. It makes you jump. Oh, my God. I've never heard that you know, before. jumping beans. It's one of the things that makes you jump. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, beans? Yeah, they're good. Did you ever play the jumping bean games? No, oh, never. Okay. But I am sure since you grew up in the 50s, you'll tell me <laughs> all about that one day. Anyway, so um, <laughs> that is my end of episode in counter, 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 counter. So I'm hoping, I think... I wanted to make sure that the stories I was researching had more impact, that I felt it was better to just focus on the story and less about criticisms, but note things that are important or so extreme that it's, that's there. So hopefully that works for you guys, because I think it makes me enjoy the story more myself. I think that really is how to approach a lot of these. Now, obviously, if there's like something literally stabbing Ludicrous. you. Yeah, like, you're like, it's stabbing me in the <laughs> eye. I cannot avoid this. It's so fake. Yeah, if I'm then rolling I'm, my eyes, I'm going to talk yeah. about it. And hypnosis is kind of along that lines with me. Yeah. However, and I hate to admit this, as someone who has put no credit to hypnosis in my life, when I listen to that hypnosis tape on YouTube, it's one of the most creeped out I've ever been. Really? Just because his reaction, I mean, this guy's like an Academy Award actor if this was fake. <laughs> Because this is so good. Like, you could hear how scared he was. I can tell you right now, I will never listen to it. 
<laughs> it's long. It's you long. You guys, you, I'm finally, you got me. I'm finally scared. <laughs> I am so not okay with this. <laughs> hey, well, at least the aliens are wearing clothes in this story. Shiny black clothes. I don't and, know. And <laughs> no I one was being perfect. And, and I didn't kidding. write it in the story, but he did on multiple occasions. Barney did talk about how their eyes were domineering, always staring at him. And if he looked at him, he felt like all he could see was their eyes and even their bodies would disappear and all he could see was eyes. Okay, that's the worst. And it really messed him up. So there's something about his eyes. He, he, didn't, he never said in his descriptions they were big. I he think didn't say they were fair... like solid black, but he said they were gray and the eyes were focusing. Yeah, that's a really fair description of how I felt about aliens as a child. I'm like, it's the eyes and it's like... And their ability to control us. And you know I don't like to be controlled. So this is like literally my nightmare. <laughs> I hate everything about it. <laughs> uh, why? But anyway, that was my story. And I think uh, I think that wraps it up for this week, right? I think so. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All I know right now is I need another stiff drink. Yeah, and I need to get to editing. So if it sounds weird, you know why. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm really going to stop. Drunk edit. I'm going to stop drinking right now. I'm going to get into editing. And then uh, and then I'll drink after as my celebration. Chase is rolling his eyes. I swear to God. No belief here. Uh, okay, well, who knows? Who knows what I'll do? Even I don't know. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. And if you guys are really happy about this story and you're like, wow, I know of another story and you want to give us a suggestion, please contact us at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. We're also present on social media. So if you guys want to communicate that way, we're so down. And also- We uh, post new episodes every Saturday. Post episodes every Saturday. I always try to remember the ending. I'm not usually the closer. (laughs) So please forgive me. Um, What else? What else? She just called me a closer. (laughs) Did you just tip your hat? I don't have a hat on. (laughs) But I did like the fingers like I have a hat. Oh, man. I'm so attracted but to But not you. like a m'lady tip. It was kind of just like a... It was more like a... It was supposed to be like a like a 1940s news journalist. Like, yeah. <laughs> Listen here. Lick my finger. Okay. Yeah, like that. Um, so what else do we need to say at the end? Oh, yes. And if you happen to be drinking with us, then I hope you had an amazing time along with our crazy drunk ass. <laughs> if not, and you drank the night before and are a little hungover, well, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. <laughs>